Welcome to our backyard. This is the Backyard Philosophy Podcast. We are two friends having a discussion after everyone else has passed out or gone to bed. Grab a drink and listen as we discuss everything from automation, space exploration, and why the meaning of life is 42. So to listeners, I want to ask you a question. What do sororities and a glove full of bullet ants have in common? That's right. Traditions. Now, it might sound a little strange, but the rite of passage, the coming of age, making the cut, being hazed out, is a long history in humanity. And even sororities, all the way to ancient cultures that are still practiced today, all have in common. A bit of sacrifice, a bit of a journey, and a bit of hardship. On episode 5, we're going to be talking about the coming of age and rite of passage with my co-host Nick. And Nick, I gotta say, this is going to be a very interesting topic, and I can't wait to talk about it. So how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. I'm super excited about this topic. I think it's something that uh, has been a part of society since apes started forming societies, and there's even some ape cultures that have been shown to have some kind of a coming of age, almost, um, type of challenge or something, and... Uh, Many human cultures have had it from, you know, there's a lot of famous examples. Like you mentioned previously, the African tribe who would weave bullet ant gloves. And these ants have poison that feels like getting shot by a bullet, which is where the term bullet ant comes from. And they have to wear it on their hands and not show any pain. And they have to do that for 10 minutes and they have to do it for 20 times over the course of about a year and a half to become a man and accepted into the tribe and like we mentioned previously that's the high end of the scale you can also go to stuff more local to the u.s such as sweet 16 or being uh accepted into a fraternity or sorority so it spans all gauntlets of human cultures and we're about to see uh we're going to talk about why humanity's done that and the bonuses that the people who go through that process feel and maybe uh stuff that we did in our lives that can compare so i'm excited to talk about it i can tell you this i'd much rather join a frat than be a 13 year old brazilian boy sticking his hands into a glove full of fire ants definitely tell you that but i i'm definitely intrigued when you first brought up this topic to me i didn't really think about it how in today's society, the coming of age has transformed and almost gone away. Very different from our ancestors and previous generations have had. And there are definitely ones that are still around. Uh, Quinceañeras for Latin American traditions where 15-year-old girls go through kind of a semi-religious slash celebration of coming in age. And then you have the bar slash bat mitzvah for... Jewish, uh, Jewish childs entering the adulthood. They're around 13 years old. And then even back home for the Amish, the Rumispringa, where 16-year-olds are able to explore and be unsupervised and try new things and kind of go wild for a little bit. But it's definitely curious how tied in from the very early age of our ancestors of rite of passage or coming of age and i guess 
let's start talk a little bit about the old traditions like the bull dance and what do you think the purpose of those were for so what do you think they were the purpose for nick what's your opinion i think uh the purpose was you know there's children and there's men for the longest time being a teenager and in between those two is kind of a rarity i mean you get that sense if you look at pictures of your grandparents and they're 18 years old and going to war and you look at your average 18 year old you know only one percent of the u.s population goes to war and so i think it was teaching responsibility and i know for that particular tribe with the bullet ants they do that because they want to teach that being a man is hard and that life can be painful and there's really no better way to do it than that i mean that's a lesson you uh you won't soon forget but yeah like you said definitely definitely on the extreme end for me, it's, I, I agree. I agree with what you said. But for me, it was also not just the self part of learning confidence and learning what life is going to be like as an adult, but also I think a bit for the tribe, knowing that you're, when things hit the fan, you are there for the tribe. You're able to take on the responsibility. You're either, you're ready for war. You're ready to do whatever's necessary. And I think it's important for both the individual as a confidence and psychological standpoint, but also for the tribe knowing I can depend on this person. Yeah, I'm glad you brought the uh, the community aspect into it. So I think one of the most important parts is, you know, think about when you're a child, you rely on your parents for a lot of things and the people in your village say or your community or how, whatever that is for you. But when you're an adult, you don't have that. And a coming-of-age ceremony or ritual like these communities have, it's a real confidence booster. What you're doing in most of these is you're doing something that's unfamiliar to you. You're doing it outside of your normal realm of life. And you're doing it for the first time alone or with other people who are doing it for the first time. Some, you may have an elder guide. It's usually not your father. There's usually some aspect of strange in this uh, tradition or whatever you want to call it. And so it's something that's unfamiliar to you. And I think what it does is it's building upon your ability to work in strange areas, to figure things out. It's helping you gain that confidence, say, hey, I can do this. I can do anything. Oh, absolutely. And I want to emphasize on a point that you brought up that it's not just with like your father or your mother, but a lot of like religious people in your tribe or community such as like rabbis or medicine man or priests like it's quite a community thing and going back to the traditional ways of some tribes where you had to be young and go on a hunt on your own and you come back and i can't imagine because i've done small hunting but hunting for my tribe or hunting for my family that's got to be such a fantastic feeling knowing all by yourself you went out caught something and you're able to provide food and nourishment for the ones you care about that's got to make you feel like such a part of a community and i imagine that's got to deepen your sense to the community and tribe and i feel like we've kind of gotten away for that in today's society yeah you know that's one of the things that attracted me to this i kind of got in this from reading james michener um i don't know how you describe his books but he talks a lot about 
the native people to whatever area and them doing things like this, providing for your tribe and the close-knit society of indigenous people that they had. So I think that's something that we may be lacking in today's society is not only the community aspects of bringing your community together, but also the confidence to give that single person to do whatever it is they're going to do. I think in today's world, that would be equated to like a mandatory service, um, kind of like Israel has. I, I'm excited you say that. I want to talk about the military aspects a little bit later. I want to kind of stay in the historical aspect for a little bit. Like, um, I want to go back to a little bit how ancient tribes and even still modern tribes and modern coming of age stories are so tied into religion. Like, uh, there's a thing called land diving. It's a, it happens in a small island somewhere in the Pacific where tribe members jump off a tower around 98 feet tall with homemade bungee cord vines that are attached to their feet. And for hey, do those cords uh, do they do they bend like our bungee cords? <laughs> uh, not really. They kind of just get snapped back. But uh, apparently, like the worst injuries, apparently what they say is mainly broken ankles or broken collarbones. But to their culture, uh, the taller you jump from, the higher the blessing is from the gods. And I know at the age of I believe it was six, they do their first jump. And I think right when you're starting having your memory, starting to start do full conversations when you're like four, five, six, I feel like that's introducing them to the tribe knowing, hey, you can't be scared. You got to go through it because a lot of ancient ones, uh, at least ancient coming of ages, were built on doing a physical feat that might get yourself hurt, but you need to overcome your fear to in order to do it, which is, I think, big, big, big for the psyche and important for anyone growing up to learn how to conquer your fears like i know the spartans were uh given knives and told to kill and hunt as much as they can mongolians same thing go out there and hunt by yourself and i guess like don't come back unless you've killed something or else you're not a man and i know even like modern tribes uh i know there's a tribe in africa where they have to jump over a bull five times who was just castrated which I got to imagine is going to be the most bucking crazy bull ever. But the age ranges range from 13 to 20. So definitely people who are like kids who are still scared to do it keep waiting until they're older. And I guess going back to the tribe thing, it's it's good to know who's weak of both physical body and mind. And it's just amazing how much hunt what the physical capability is of doing it. Have you noticed that with all your research? Yeah. And I think physical ability was much more a measure back then than it is today. I'm not that we don't, people don't look at people for their physical ability, but a lot of jobs in our world today don't really revolve around physical ability. So that's not something that we pride as much as we once did. Yeah. Uh, One of my favorite ones researching was, I believe it was in the Philippines. It, It was a small island. I'm not quite sure where it was, but... They would start at the top of their mountain, climb down, swim across chopping, cold, freezing, shark-infested waters to another island, climb up of it, grab an egg, put an egg in their headband, swim back, and have to show the egg uncracked. And if they did it, they, uh, they like, became chief, like, rite of passage, like, hell no. That's just absolutely insane that they did this, like, on the regular and 
I feel like it definitely make our society a little bit harder and a little bit more appreciative of what we have. Because I, I got to tell you, after a hard workout or hard day's work, I definitely appreciate my couch more. But doing something like hunting a lion for the first time by myself or doing an immaculate swim in shark-infested waters, I would definitely appreciate, you know, just having a loaf of bread and definitely having uh, a home a lot more than I normally would. Yeah, so another theme I wanted to bring up um, is the outdoors. And I think a lot of the stuff that I research, they tended to be outdoors. Now, I can say, you know, I'm not a great hunter. and Someone say I'm a pretty shitty hunter, and I'd probably be in that camp that uh, I was out hunting for deer and it's so foggy here in Oregon, sometimes you only can see for 40 feet. And uh, I ran across a cougar, and it about scared the shit out of me. I didn't quite know what to do. I only saw the flash, so I couldn't actually shoot it because I had a cougar tag. But I knew that thing was out there looking for me. And you really start to appreciate everything you have when you might be being stalked by a cougar. Yeah, I, I don't want to mess with a mountain lion. Those are uh, absolutely insane creatures, and they're so good at stalking and hinting. But going back to your experience with mountain lions and kind of the ancient experience is definitely more in the ancient traditions of coming age, a lot more extreme compared to now. Like we said earlier, quinceaneras, bar mitzvahs, uh, rumpus springa from the Amish. I mean, granted, there are still tribes in Brazil doing the bullet ants test and other African tribes doing, like, the bull jumping. But here in America, and I imagine a lot of European and Asian and uh, imagine a lot of other countries, their coming of age is a little bit different. Like you said, sweet 16. And I wonder what's your opinion on modern coming of ages? Because if I'm going to be frank with you, I'm not the biggest fan with modern coming of ages. No, and I'm not either. I mean, you're basically comparing a man or a woman doing something out of their comfort zone and crazy building their self-confidence to someone buying them a bunch of shit. I mean, that's uh, those are two extremes right there, and I think that says a lot more about our country than than anything else. But I would like to see we get back to something more along the wilderness i obviously i'm biased but i think being outside and facing challenges in an unfamiliar environment builds much more self-confidence in people than anything else so i'd like to see more of that and this doesn't need to be some like oh when you turn 16 you have to do this this can be something as simple as you and your dad go out and you know out by us i think it's pretty common for parents to take their kids out to the uh, boundary waters and do some kind of week-long or two-week-long trip out there and that's got to be sort of a little coming of age a midwest coming of age if you will when i think coming of age for small town i tend to think either you know building a car with your dad or your mom taking you fishing or your first hunting um but i know a big one at least for me my later years not my coming of age but one where i can see a lot of people coming age is martial arts Learning that having your first fight, learning a discipline, going in scared, fighting another human being, and showing that when things get rough, you can stick it in it. I I am always an advocate for everyone 
trying practicing a martial art and i would love it if it was more prominent amongst kids and youth to get them started early just for that confidence and humility and just for pride and psychologically it it just raises your spirits knowing i can defend myself if something bad happens to me or the ones i love but sticking on the topic of modern ones like yes we've like the sweet 16 just buying stuff not i don't like that very much and frats and sororities i uh in case you didn't know nick i don't like people telling me what i can and cannot do so frats and sororities never quite appealed to me but i guess that's sort of a modern coming of age at least or trying to get involved where you're sacrificing your time and maybe doing humility things or being a pledge to join this tribe slash frat slash sorority which is both a negative and a positive it's always good to be part of a tribe but I think today's society, being part of a group or a tribe, is a lot, well, it is It is a lot different from the old ways. And I want to bring some of those old ways back. Uh, do you have any suggestions on how we could bring that old way back besides just hunting? There's got to be another way. Like, I was thinking maybe like a Spartan race or something you're scared to do. It's going to challenge you, and you have to overcome your mind and body. Um. Well, first off, Mike, yeah. The term frat is offensive to my people. It's a fraternity. So Eat a dick. there's that. Um, no, I I think uh, fraternities and sororities do a, a good amount of good. But uh, if I would say it's not you know, something I learned is you can't change everything. You can only change the culture. So if we establish a culture in the U.S. that leads to it being the social norm for doing something that challenges your whatever whatever you're used to like say you're cha- you're used to being outdoors and maybe you do something different but if you're used to being indoors all the time so you get outside and you just spend a night or two in the woods just see what that's like you know everything that i researched for people talking about modern coming of ages can be from pushing their child to run a faster mile to going out in the woods for a week with three days worth of food so it it basically it's just like you mentioned with fighting and which is another common theme that people brought up for modern coming of ages is fighting everyone seems to be a big proponent of that is uh something that brings you out of your comfort zone something that you are going to lose that but that if you persevere, you can, you might not win, but you're going to get better. You're going to see that improvement. You're going to gain confidence, which I think is mostly what this was originally intended to do is to build confidence in young people. Yes. Um, going back a little bit to the fighting, because I have some personal experience with that. To me, it's very interesting fighting because coming of age, you kind of have two different categories. You have by yourself or with slash versus other people you have go in the woods for seven days by yourself and survive versus walk on a field of thorns and don't cry or make a sound but for fighting i kind of like it for modern because it's kind of both you have the aspect of you're training with a team you have sparring partners you have coaches people trying to teach you trying to learn but at the end of the day it's all by yourself in that ring. And I think that might be the 
best of both worlds. But I am curious on if there's any case studies, because I couldn't come across any, on a coming-of-age group versus solo. What What is it to hunt your first online by yourself versus, do uh, again, going back, the bullet ants, where the bullet ants, you're not alone in the woods. I wonder how that, the solo versus tribe, affects the psyche of the mind, and if there's any benefits to one versus the other, or doing both, like, I know for me, my kind of coming of the age wasn't just one defining moment. My first one being when I was diagnosed and sick and realizing that I'm not immortal and I have to be confident, I have to be strong, and I have to help those around me. And then the other one was when I, how I kind of got into engineering where I wanted to build something. I didn't know how. But I just kept working at it again, and I kept failing, and I kept doing it again and again and again until I got it. And I would like to have had MRIs in my brain to see how much mentally I changed. Because I know I went through, I know mentally I changed a lot. But I would like to know if I was with someone else, would have been changed different, the solo versus group. I'm not sure which one's more beneficial. What do you think is more beneficial, the solo or the group? Well, I think, so we'll talk about my, what I think is my coming of age in a minute. But I think even in a group, it's that solo aspect of it that comes in. So I think I have kind of two coming of age ceremonies. So my first coming of age is, you know, not to quote uh, Alan Jackson, but everyone's familiar with the song drive when he goes when daddy let me drive and i drove the boat well it's kind of like that um, when i first drove the snowmobiles by myself and me and my brother and some family friends went out and drove snowmobiles across a frozen lake outside the house nothing too crazy but and uh, my parents wrote me a note about how like you took something like pretty heavy machine out into the to nature and we trusted you to take care of everyone else out there and kind of be the leader because I was the oldest. And so after that, I kind of realized, you know, the things that I had done are actually kind of impressive at that age. I mean, I it was I was pretty young. I could still barely remember it. But my big, what I would call, like if I narrow down to one coming of age is uh, fighting wildfire in Idaho. And we had... Um, our engine boss had been taken out, so my boss was replaced with another, with a woman who, she, uh, I don't think she had enough experience or whatever reason. I ended up kind of taking control. We had a, we were trying to call in a helicopter to drop some water on this tree that was burning near the line. Your line is your containment, um, so if fire crosses that, you basically fires across your line your fire is no longer controlled if we can keep it within certain boundaries it's controlled so it's kind of important and the thing about helicopters is they're pretty important they're scarce resources so you got to share them so it's finally our turn for the helicopter we're trying to put some water on this tree to cool it down keep the fire where we wanted it the the maps weren't matching up we were giving them our latin long we gave them our township range section we gave them all these different coordinates and they couldn't get to us and uh, so I had to go back she wasn't figuring it out so I basically took control of the situation I, I took the radio 
and I tried, I got a hold of the, um, the pilot. She gave me her radio. I got a hold of the pilot and I was communicating with them and we were comparing maps. And I was like, well, this is where we're at on our map. And he's like, this is where we're at on our, our map. Luckily through school, I learned just about datums and, even if we all use the same GPS, we might be using a different datum, which is a different projection of the world, but I was able to figure out what the issue was, diagnose it, change my GPS mapping device over to the datum that he was using, get that helicopter there. So basically the hard part was there's a few ways to get that helicopter there. You got, you could give them a coordinates or you could try and direct them. The thing is it's hard to direct a helicopter when everything's on fire, there's smoke in the air, and everything looks like trees. It's just, So I was able to use the what I had learned previously in the season and take control of a situation when I necessarily shouldn't have been the one in control. My command and control, my engine boss should have been in that spot, but I knew that I knew how to get the job done. So that was a big confidence booster for me, being able to step above what I my place. Like if I had just minded my place, I would have been just let her stumble through it but I knew that I could fix the problem and I just kind of took over the situation and I, I violated the chain of command but she wasn't quite sure what to do so she didn't really have a problem with that but that gave me a lot of confidence saying if to if I'm in a situation where I know what to do to act and I feel like a lot of people even if they know what to do are going to be afraid to step up and I think that's what really changed my perspective on a lot of things especially in being in that emergency wildfire situation, your brain's going to do a few things, but luckily mine was able to sort through all the, the signals. I mean, there's sirens going off, there's lights, there's smoke, there's fire, there's a helicopter, and get to the bottom of what the issue was and you back on track, get back on track. So I think that was uh, something that helped me. And that's why I think one of the most important things is we were in a group setting. I mean, my crew boss wasn't there, but my buddy Chris was, and we had been working together for a while. So we still had that group dynamic. We were still working together for a common cause. I was able to direct him to do certain things while I was on the radio. So even though it was a group effort, I feel like I was able to rise in that situation and accomplish our objectives. Well, A, that's pretty amazing and bravo my friend but i think we have different definitions of coming of age to me coming of age was the beginning of when you lose your childhood and start entering manhood so I'll, i guess my definition is always more traditional of the ages of like 10 through 16 of coming of ages uh yours i imagine happening i was 20 at least yeah so a little bit different than i um i was thinking i kind of think though that modern world retards growth like i feel like most people i mean mike you've seen kids running around do you say they're above the age of 16 do you in any way think of them as a man oh absolutely not i to be honest i mean from personal experience i'm constantly growing changing hell the person i was last year and i'm 25 the person i was last year compared to who i am now completely different human being we're always adapting we're always learning we're always changing but for me it was the coming of age was at least for my examples i was i think 12 to 14 with those two examples it was losing my childhood innocence and 
taking on, like you did, the responsibility of knowing that when things are hard, it's up to you, and it's up to you to mentally overcome it. Like you mentally knew what to do in that crazy scenario, and you overdid it. I'm not trying to take away from that. I'm just, I'm just trying to figure out what your definition is of coming of age. I, I think my definition is whenever you shed your. It's more not a coming of age, but more removing your your timidness and gaining that confidence, like we talked about, that confidence boost. Because yeah, I guess I was more mature at 19 than a 16 year old, but I don't think I really became who I am today. I think. There's a moment, I think there's a moment in everyone's lives where they kind of mature and they figure out like, oh shit, like this is serious. And that was kind of my moment of, you know, it's time to shit or get off the pot. If you just want to sit here to collect a paycheck, you can do that. But if you want to actually, you know, get real, now's the time to get real. And it, it was a step up moment. And I think from what, I mean, I read everything through my lens, just like you read everything through your lens. From my lens, it kind of that's what resonated most in my life to the coming of age ceremonies I read about a moment where there was something that you had to do and it may or like it, it would affect everyone. I mean, communities could be affected by that decision I made, but you were the one willing to step up. And I think I feel like at that moment was kind of a turning point in my life where I matured faster than i had previously and i kind of saw that when i take action i can affect change and when i take when i affect change it can have very real consequences on not just me but the lives of everyone around me and kind of put put everything in the perspective of how one little decision can affect everyone else so, so it sounds to me like you're definitely coming of age is always more tribe-based exact from what you just explained to me because it's not it like i mean hunting or camping for yourself for a week only affects you it doesn't affect anyone else so it sounds like to me it's definitely the more tribe mentality you're thinking of of hey this will affect other people hey this is this is this will affect my close friends and family which is interesting because i i think Perhaps you can, ha like you said, have multiple coming of ages where you grow the most as a human being. Because I imagine, say, I'm just using an example. Uh, say you're 13 and you do your bar mitzvah. That might be a community thing. You're being part of the tribe. You're, you're joining your community. But say when you're 17, you go hiking or camping by yourself for a week. That might be a solo journey. I those will definitely change on how you think psychologically and physically. So perhaps, perhaps you're onto something. Perhaps coming of age is not, at least in for modern society, not one defining moment, but a series of defining moments. But I feel like we need to have more possibilities for those, for the public. Yeah, well, so like we talked about is I think a coming of age is when you do something you wouldn't normally do. So that could be whatever, I mean, we know people whose lives are, it's pretty normal. You know, you work in the city, you get a family, you retire to the suburbs, you know, you go to a resort in Mexico for vacation. It, pretty much anything out of the ordinary is uh, could be a coming of age. There's so many things that 
you could do like we we tend to focus on nature as i think we're very outdoorsy people but you know you don't have to go out into nature like mike said to join a boxing league or learn martial arts or anything like that you just have to take a step out of whatever's comfortable for you yes and sticking with that theme i kind of want to go back to what we mentioned about earlier about Perhaps it's a modern coming of age, which is military and how some countries have required military service for a year or so, like Israel, I believe, Denmark as well, and I'm not sure of any other countries. But I imagine the com- that getting out of your comfort zone and learning how to do military drills, learn how to use, disassemble, and fire a firearm, it's definitely got to be coming of age for a lot of people. Yeah, and... Yeah, definitely in in Israel, you can I think you can see the benefits. So, if you're is it Christian or Jewish, you have to do military service. But I think the Arabic community is exempt. Don't quote me on that. I know there's one group that's exempt from service there. But from everything that I've heard, is that creates a better atmosphere. It creates cohesion in the country because everyone's had a shared experience, which is why I think that tribal aspect or local aspect of it is nice and i think it you know if something that could benefit our culture is everyone's drifted so far everyone's jobs are so specialized because the world we live in and that's the price we pay for the technology that we use is everyone's so specialized some kind of community service that everyone does even if it's only maybe like one hour Every month, you have to help your community in some aspect. And maybe it's as simple as everyone goes to the park and picks trash or everyone goes and does some manual labor. But something that that brings you together with other people who may, who are in your community but you never associate with or but you have a hardship for an hour, like no one's going to want to be there. But you go and do something together and, and accomplish something. And there needs to be an accomplishment at the end. I mean, that's... That's one of the main things is there's a challenge. Everything I've read about, there's some kind of challenge to overcome. Everyone needs a mountain to climb. But I'm a big component of Habitat for Humanity because, A, if you don't know how to use power tools, you'll learn. You'll definitely overcome that obstacle. And it's it's just nice giving back to people and trying to do something. Like three hours in the hot sun putting on, uh, uh, doing roofing or, or doing insulation and and uh, drywall, it, it'll make you appreciate anything, make, make you appreciate the little things, but also knowing that you're helping someone who's maybe a couple of miles from you is a world of difference. But going back to the military thing and bringing it a little bit closer to home, I know for us, for our U- U.S. military, with our standards, you got to trust the person to the left and right of you. And I imagine everyone going through boot camp, everyone going through weapons training, you understand that they went through a rite of passage. So you know they can do at least the bare minimum. So you know you can have some trust in them. And I imagine that's got to be wonderful. I've never served military, so I don't know. But I imagine having that kind of brotherhood, knowing that they went through the same shit I did, but when shit hits the fan, I can trust them because I did the same thing and I know what to do, so I know they know what to do. And I imagine that's got to be so great, a great, such a great feeling to know, to be all part of the same team. And I'm not 
I would prefer in America not to have a mandatory service, but I definitely see the benefits of it. I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, so here's, like I said previously, I've I've done wildland fire, and f- yes, I know everyone's sick of comparing wildland fire to the military. They're totally different things for sure. Wildland fire is a lot more laid back, but when you work in a small crew like that, you get to learn the people in your crew, and obviously you're not fighting bullets you're fighting wildfire there's there's no uh, ecologically there's a black and white but it's a very simple task stop the fire and i think there's something to say for humans banding together against nature it it really brings people together and i know from my crew uh shout out to mike and chris and yes you too Stuart, that we could see each other where we are lacking in and make up for it for example we were on one fire and uh i like i could tell that chris was fucking beat and he ended up just passing out on the line which i know that's a watch out situation we're not supposed to do it but there's not much else to do and i was able to handle everything by myself so i just let him sleep and i don't really gain anything out of that there's nothing that i gained by doing the work even though it was minimal by myself but there's a sacrifice you make because you guys have been together for so long that it kind of it is a brotherhood. I mean, it's it it's a it's a brotherhood. I under I completely understand what you're saying. Like for me, boxing was a huge influence and confidence builder for my life. And I've had workout partners where I do not like. I we never got along. But if they called me saying, I'm getting ready for a fight, I need help, I would definitely be there. We we worked together. We went through some hell together. Absolutely trust them. Might not like them, but knowing that we both did the same thing, we both, both threw ourselves into the fire, definitely gives some sort of mutual respect with my, with my peer. Yeah, and so what I think that stems from is I think there's a lot to be said for humans forming small groups to accomplish simple objectives. I'm sure you probably read Sebastian Younger's book, Tribe, but humans who work together in a small element face danger, stick closer together. And most early human civilizations were just small groups of people banding together, creating these these environments that th- that teamwork thrives in because that's how humans originally got along, which is why... If you put a small group of humans together to accomplish something, they're going to bond extremely close. And that's something that's been proven by science time and time again. Uh, for the tribe story, are you talking about the psychological study of kids that were talked about like two separate groups were taught to, were given a task and they both had to solve it together to come together. And then the two groups were introduced and they had to work together and they instantly hated each other. It was like a rival tribe. No, but I believe that because we, yeah, like I said, how I got along really well with uh, my fire crew, we occasionally didn't get along with other fire crews because we had a way of doing things and our way we thought was better. If we're being honest, we definitely got fires out faster than other crew, but yeah, we could have worked better together with them for sure. And that's pros and cons to each. You know, pride is a downfall and a pro. I mean, you can't it's one or the other, but you, you got to know what you're doing. And we were definitely more prideful than we probably should have been, but we thought we were 
pretty badass and all we really did was put out fires and listen to little dicky so i don't know what there is to say about that <laughs> uh, no, i know i don't blame you it's definitely in our genome to these are my people don't like other outsiders and i think that's a big reason of why coming of age has gone away because we've gone from small tribes of i don't know 15 to 50 to cities with 11 million people in them it's you can't form a tribe 11 million people tall you can form countries you can form a collective but tribe is always a tight-knit small group in my mind and i think the reason why coming of age disappeared might have been industrialization of people moving to cities it's because I imagine in small towns, I didn't grow up in a small town, so I don't know. But I imagine small towns knowing everyone, going to the grocery store and seeing people, talking to people, just everyone knowing each other. It's got to be good on the psyche of mind knowing this is my community, these are my people. Versus when you're in a city of 4 million that's spread out only a few hundred, 100,000 miles, I mean, that's... You can't know your all your neighbors. It's it's impossible. Everyone's stacked on top of each other, and I imagine that's got to play a negative psyche on the mind. Yeah, I I think that's definitely something that would the urban versus rural divide. I think is something that's very real in our society today. But I think that's a, an important part of knowing your neighbors and knowing your community. Living in these smaller communities, that I, yeah, we're both from Illinois. We both grew up in the suburbs, or I don't know. I think you did, but uh, after I turned 18, I moved over to Idaho and spent time in all around the state and California, Northern California, doing work and living in smaller communities, and it definitely changed my perspective on on tribes, communities, as you'd say, and that these smaller communities tend to be almost uh, an easier way of life like people talk about all the time like you know everyone but it's very easy if you know there's pros and cons to that like if you're a dirtbag everyone's going to know you're a dirtbag if you're a good person everyone's going to know you're a good person so it works both ways but i think it's uh there's definitely advantages and disadvantages of being in a small town for sure oh yes completely agree uh i know for me leaving for university it was a it was a good thing of trying to find my tribe trying to find who can i trust who can i trust similar aspects and building relationships through that which i guess is another kind of coming of age um but i kind of want to transition over i don't know if you thought about it or did any research on it but the coming of age through drugs and psycho uh, psychedelics did you do any research or thinking about that um no i am boring so I don't, <laughs> uh, i'm not really big and i don't really know that much about drugs so why don't you uh enlighten me i do want to say also that yeah definitely you know moving away from your community like far away like if you grew up in the suburbs you go to u of i that's not a huge change of life you're gonna know most of the people there i think that's that has a lot to do when you're coming of age but uh for sure i think it's a good idea to move a little bit farther out of your comfort zone well before you brought up a good point before we switch over to drugs pilgrimage is a big thing for many cultures for coming of age or not coming of age but something required to do to 
be in more involved in your tribe slash community. I know Christians, Muslims, Jews, they all do it. I believe the Buddhas do it. I'm not quite sure. Religion's not my strong suit. But having a pilgrimage like me and you going away, you went a little bit farther. I went five and a half, six hours away. It's when you're in a different environment, you're by yourself to begin with. You have to learn. You have to change. You have to overcome things, which is going back to rite of passage and coming of age. It's, it's something very important as a young adult to do. I mean, for a lot of students uh, at the age of 18, they go to university and they're home away for the first time. They go from eating healthy and, you know, having some of them, hell, have their mom do their laundry still to, oh, I spent all my money on beer. I have no food for this week. What am I going to do? It's teaching yourself more responsibility in adult, which is, I think, a big thing about coming of age is responsibility and pride and confidence. Now, switching gears, going back to the psychedelics, I know some cultures have a spiritual journey as their coming of age where they take a certain drug or in, uh, either drink it, inhale it, or some people just lock themselves in a cave and meditate, which gives themselves into a psychedelic mind state. That changes them. That makes them more part of the tribe, and that's more of a spiritualism coming of age with internal. Not an external thing happening, but an internal thing coming external, which is very interesting to me because I don't know how I feel about that. As Nick says, kind of, I'm kind of a loser. I've never done psychedelics. So I don't know how that would affect a mind. And But I imagine if it's a tribe thing of self-realization, it's got to be beneficial. But I'm not sure what how I feel about that. I haven't really seen any psychology papers or been able to find psychology papers on coming of age through psychedelics and what that does psychologically. Um What's your opinion on it, Nick? Are you, do you see it as a beneficial thing or do you see it, do you see aspects of it that are better than doing the physical trials as previous ones mentioned? Oddly enough, the only thing that I came across in my research that talked remotely about this would be uh, Jesus spending 40 days in the desert by himself and that being a rite of passage. So I'm not a huge, uh, advocate of religion or anything i'm not trying to say we all need to follow jesus but i think it's an important part to to think about that that's something that someone's done and and that's something that people have gone through themselves i know a lot of i don't personally know but i i've read about a lot of people who have gone through and spent 40 days in desert themselves and a lot of them talk about entering sort of a meditative trance which is i think is what mike's talking about which I think is really interesting, and I don't know if I've personally had any inside, uh, I don't know what you'd call it, self-conscious coming of age just through meditation. I think I'm, uh, like most millennials, way distracted by everything else going on in my life, and sitting down and thinking about my own feelings is terrifying, but what are you going to do? <laughs> well, I want to bring up a point to that it wasn't he didn't take psychological drugs um brian oh what's his name uh he recently uh crossed antarctica by himself 
with uh, carrying only his own supplies on his uh, on his sled, but uh, was completely by himself. And he said in his book, he got into a flow state, I guess is to say. And I imagine with anything, being alone, trying something that you've never... Uh, Colin O'Brady, that's his name. He wrote the book, The Impossible First. Highly, not my favorite writing style, but a very interesting story. But anyhow, he was talking about a flow state he would get because he was doing, you know, a 10-hour day of pulling a 300 or 600-pound sled across Antarctica and how his mom... Like, you can't listen to, like, listen to music all the time. You have to think with your own thoughts. And I imagine going through a psychedelic or force-induced trip, especially at a young age or a significant point in your life, would make you f- face all the demons you have to that point and make you have insight. I know for me, religion is somewhat, I'm, I believe, but I'm not a full practicer. Like, this is kind of an embarrassing story, but, you know, as Nick said, we're millennials, so YOLO. But uh, my father passed away at a very young age. And from what I knew was heaven was a white, fluffy place in the clouds. So being a dumb kid, I thought the moon was heaven. So uh, every time, because, you know, heaven, white, fluffy place, looking down up at us and heaven's above, I thought it was the moon. Even though I've grown older, I still look at the moon and I get a relaxing feeling. To me, it's still having that fake prayer, that ideology of, I know I'm not a kid anymore, and I know this is all false, but I've been through a lot, and I know having my tribe, even though if the tribe's not there, it's on the moon, quote-unquote, it's still comforting to me. So I imagine a psychedelic trip with your tribe members would be a very similar thing of, we all went through an experience together. It brings us closer together, and it also enlights ourselves. But if I had to choose to bring back to society, I'd definitely say physical. Because a physical rite of passage is not just physical. Yes, you have to force your body to do something that's uncomfortable, but that takes mind. That takes mental power to do and mental confidence to do. And I think like you hit the nail on the head earlier, Nick, that... You go, I can do this. What else can I do? Well, that that what if of knowing I could do something impossible, I can do it again. I can do something else again. That climbing the mountain, just getting ahead of steam. I'm glad you brought that up. I want to talk about, like we mentioned previously, there's multiple components of modern coming of age. Another one of my big components is I was on earlier on that same fire it became a, the lawyer complex, pretty big fire, weird initial attack. We had been working for a while. Uh, I think at the, the point of my story, we were about 24 hours into my shift. And I had about three to five hours of sleep. I can't quite remember. And so I woke up and uh, we were digging, we, were, we woke up for breakfast and we had our there's nothing quite filling like a MRE lasagna. So we got, we ate our chemically warmed MRE lasagna, got to work and we're, I was digging line and uh, we were supposed to be relieved a while ago or at least brought water. I ran out of water. So I was getting, well, I was done with water. So I was, I was, uh, I don't know, dehydrated, but I was still working 
and uh, yeah, I was digging line, and finally these uh, these helicopter guys came, and they were taking over. I was, I was digging line and doing air attack at the same time, and I was just done. Like, man, I couldn't I couldn't go any further, but I just kept digging and kept working until I knew that someone could take over the job and accomplish the objective because it's, for whatever reason I drifted into like some kind of weird ass trance state where I could just tell my body to work and just feel minimal pain like I still felt like the the soreness of my arms and whatever and being tired and all that shit but it wasn't like you'd normally feel it starting a day and so I got to a point where I was just so dehydrated. I just wandered back up to the our engine, which had some more Gatorades hidden on it somewhere. And people had brought in food for the firefighters, but the volunteers ate most of it, so I didn't really get anything. I got uh, a Gatorade and a chicken fried steak with no gravy by the time I got back up there. But I was so dehydrated i ended up hallucinating i could have swore this girl laura who was on our who was working with us she wasn't on our engine she wasn't on our fire but i could have swore she was there i still have very vivid memories of her being on that fire but i that day i pushed myself beyond what i thought my limits were but now i can use that that knowledge of saying okay when I start feeling this, I'm out of water. When I start feeling this, I need to get somewhere. And I I push myself beyond what I thought I could push myself to. And I think that was a very important part of my coming of age of knowing I think my body can do this, but actually it can do way beyond that. Yeah, that's super, super important of not knowing your limitations. It's important to know your limitations, but at the same time, it's no, it's good to know you can push past them, I guess. It's it's a weird ultimatum of the human body, we're just flesh and bones, but we're capable of such amazing things if we just put our minds to it. And you've had kind of an experience of them all, Nick. It sounds like you had the alone experience, the tribe experience, and the hallucination experience. You had one hell of a coming of age story yeah and i forgot to mention i definitely puked up that emery lasagna and it tasted the exact same but yeah no it's i like i like emery lasagna that's not that's not the worst one okay well it's not the best one for breakfast either <laughs> but what i'm saying is that I, I think it's important for people to experience all of those things i know a lot of my friends out west their coming of age ceremony was when they killed their first elk you know killing a deer is one thing but killing an elk is a whole another thing or a bear some kind of large animal it's a very common coming of age from what i can understand from them a lot of it i think it just comes from doing something that no one thought you could do but also an experience that you yourself didn't think you could do because let's be honest there's a lot of things that people say you can't do but you think you can do but it takes a special person to push past that you don't think you can do it to actually doing it. Oh, absolutely. I, I love the saying, I got a lot of motherfuckers to prove wrong. And it's it's very true. I hate when people say you can't do it because there's always a possibility. But sticking to what you said, like your friends, a lot of their coming ages were elk. I know a lot of people's coming of age is sports, of being the rookie 
being the low man totem pole and having to make your spot on that team of showing up, putting in the work. Because we have all played some type of sport, even if it was like pick up basketball or catch of someone who's just being lazy, dragging your feet, and you hate them for it. But someone who like will bust their ass for you, you you respect so much more. So I imagine a lot of people coming of age is through sports. But on the other hand, I don't know if you thought about this, Nick, but to me, some coming ages are negative. Ones I want to talk about are mainly gangs. I know a lot of gangs have prospects, initiations, a coming of age to them. And I think people not having coming age at a younger age or independent, like you said, doing charity work, they seek that tribe. They seek their own coming of age and they'll end up in trouble. Yeah. You know, I didn't, I didn't research it, but that, yeah, great point. I know off the top of my head, there's some gangs whose initiation is you have to kill a police officer. And that's obviously terrible. And that's using what we talked about, this tribal belonging, this community, which I think humans need. They need some type of community. They want to be accepted. And that's using it for a terrible reason. But I think that's, uh, you know, when I came across this subject as researching and I came across a lot of people who there's a program to buy into. And I don't think this this coming of age, it's so diluted in our modern world but i don't think this needs to be something that you have to join a gang or buy into this can be something you do on your own as long as you actively seek it out yes it is it is scary that people prey on the need for to be part of a group and like you know for motorcycle gangs like you have prospects where they're on shit duty and they'll do dangerous ridiculous things like you said like kill like one gang had uh kill police officers some gangs have beat-ins where you have to fight and get beat the shit out of you for a little bit to be part of the gang and everyone wants to have a place where they feel belong and if we don't come up with new solutions or new possibilities or people don't find their own way to come of age they'll find it perhaps through the wrong way we were very lucky to grow up in the situation we did and easily avoided that but for some people having that sense of community that hey i'm worth something i did this even though it might be something terrible they did something they thought they previously couldn't do or something they just talked about and they couldn't do because talk versus do are two very different things but i completely agree with you nick where you can just be alone you can just do it yourself you don't need a group and that just Build self-confidence. Like, hell, when's the last time you were alone for two weeks? I'm talking no cell phone, no computer, no one to talk to, just yourself. It's been a while for me, but I know every time I did it, my psychological abilities and confidence in myself built upon each other. Yeah, I wasn't uh, alone for two weeks, but I definitely took two weeks off from work to go fishing with various people and looked at my phone like three or four times. And it definitely... You don't need any of these things. I mean, I was on vacation. It didn't really matter, but I never looked at social medias. never looked at text messages. I was just out there fishing with my friends for two weeks, friends, family. And that was like, that was way more than I, than I needed. 
Like that was everything I ever wanted was just to be alone, just fishing all day. So yeah, it's great to be out in nature by yourself for sure. And I think that does a lot for a person. I can't remember who it is, but it's uh, someone I actively follow. He once a year goes camping for five days by himself. And he goes, it's just a reset of, hey, I know I'm not the top of the food chain, but I know how to take care of myself. I know how to survive. It builds more self-confidence and relaxation because having a high stress level for a short period of time, I think mellows out everything else. Like I, I imagine after getting your hands bit 20 times by bullet ants, if you stub your toe, you're like, eh, whatever. Like, like, and things, things in your world change from your perspective and experiences and getting like jumping over a bull or stepping on thorns or any physical task of like, Hey, hunting by my, by myself, it's got to throw everything into perspective and your life's got to, your viewpoints on the world have got to change. And uh, for me, it definitely was that kind of thing, but I, I, I just can't imagine after getting your hand stung by bullet ants that anything phases you after that much pain no and i think that's part of why they did it more so than initiating them into adulthood but to say hey there's things that it's going to happen to you as an adult and they're going to suck but forget all the bullshit this is something that actually sucks and i think that's something we need in our society people need to realize there's actually things that suck like being out in the woods for however many weeks without electricity so yeah i think it's great but a lot of people that's their worst nightmare but if they did that do you know how much more grateful they would be for the electricity i think that's mostly what this boils down to is you overcome some adversity and you gain perspective on life whether you gain that perspective on yourself and your tribe but you get a perspective that says hey no matter what happens Living here with these people in this place, it's not as bad as I think it is. Just out of curiosity, how much money would it take for you to stick your hand in a glove of bullet ants just once? You know, I'm not entirely sure, but I saw a meme the other day that said, uh, you could, would you rather have a million dollars and never fish for the rest of your life or fish for the rest of your life and never have a million dollars or just be able to fish, continue to work your job? And continue to fish for the rest of your life and i said yeah i definitely uh i would not take that million dollars i'd rather fish for the rest of my life and not have that million dollars because you need a challenge in your life and as much as i'm pissed off because i've been skunked for like a month now these fucking rockfish anyway chase the dream not the money but out of curiosity if i happen to go fund me like six thousand dollars would you stick your hand in a glove of bullet ants i would say it i would say i'd prefer any above twenty thousand but enough to put a down payment on a house is what i'd put my uh stick my hands in a bullet ant farm or bullet ant glove would be i'm not gonna lie if you flew me out to that tribe and like i had medical care like next to me I'd probably do it for free. I'm I'm down for a weird, out there experience. Granted, I'm I'm uh, I'm looking up tickets right now, bud. I, I'll I'll fucking do it. I might cry like a little bitch, but I'll do it. Like that sounds. I, for those who are listening, I'm the hold my beer slash why not kind of guy. Like 
me and my friend are planning on climbing a mountain. Why not? I built a flamethrower in my backyard to cook a steak. Why not? I like, I have the bad problem of when I get an idea in my head, I tend to do it, which has definitely gotten me in far more trouble than I care to admit. I think you need to spend some more time outside because I've been stung by every insect this side of the Mississippi and there's no fucking way I'm going to another country to get stung by another fucking insect. This murder hornet murder hornet bullshit is enough for me. I I miss the outside since moving. I've unfortunately not has not have had much time as I wanted to to be outside. I'm actually trying to plan a camping trip, like I said, trying to be alone. Just me, myself, and the stars. And I think it's very good for the psyche of the mind to be alone. And I think all these coming of ages it's all comes to both whether it's alone whether it's tribe whether it's psychedelic it all comes to the psyche of the mind of hey it's time to change it's time to be more than what you can be and it's always possible to be more what you can be but in case you do actually look up those tickets nick i'm actually down as long can i get as long as i can get back in the united states because of covid like i I need to come back to the United States. That's kind of important. All right, we'll do... This will be post-COVID. We'll definitely videotape it for an episode. It'll be a good time. Oh, 100%. I'm down. 100%. Zero hesitation. <laughs> All right, sounds good. I'm definitely going to go fishing while we're out there, so it'll be a two-for-one trip. It is in Brazil, so maybe try to catch a piranha. I've always wanted to see a live piranha out in the wild, so I'll be crying in the wild. I'll be crying next to you, and... Uh, probably rolling on the ground and uh you'll be laughing with a cane pole fishing for some piranhas yeah i'm definitely gonna be fishing but if i'm coming down to brazil i'm not using a cane pole but well getting back to it yeah i think definitely the introspective part is important like you mentioned things that change in yours and even though mine involved a group of people what it really changed in me was my confidence in myself and i think that's that's what is at the underlying of all these things. Yes, there tends to be a theme of helping a community, but I think the major factor is you gain confidence in yourself and you're able to go and do these things in adulthood. Because let's face it, living with your parents is a lot different than living with yourself. There's things you have to do for yourself that you really didn't think about. So gaining that confidence, say, hey, I can fight a wildfire. I can set up my own bank account, wherever the fuck it is. Yeah. Just knowing that you can trust yourself, even if it's a hard situation. But backpedaling a little bit, I like the idea of working for your community. I'm a, like I said, I'm a big component of uh, Habitat for Humanity and a big for fighting. What other things do you think could be rite of passage slash coming of age? I mean, we have sports. We said sport. Uh, we said uh, frats and sororities, even though I kind of disagree with that. But for me. I'm trying to think of coming of age between the ages of 10 and 18. That's, to me, the most pivotal point in a person's life of figuring out a path or a direction. Now, you can change. It's never too late to change. But I think that's the easiest time to change. So we have fighting. We have doing charity work. We have sports. What else do you think uh, other people can do for at least to push themselves to see what they can do. So first off, I'm, I'm going to say I'm a big proponent of fraternities, sororities, because they, like we talked about, put you in situations that you didn't necessarily want to be in, but you do it to help everyone else. And I think that's their biggest impact on everyone else. I think obviously from our background, Mike, the biggest place to 
put yourself in those situations is going to be sports. Yeah. Yeah. I know building for me too, like one of my favorite memories is in a freezing cold garage with a soldering iron and a, uh, and a crappy space heater that I had to kick every five minutes to keep on while I'm teaching myself how to solder pipe. I'm at like, that was not a coming of age, but definitely pushing myself of putting myself in an uncomfortable position. I'm glad you brought up building because I know a lot of people from our generation and the previous generation are going to say roofing work. I know a lot of people who say roofing work is their coming of age. That I've only done minor roofing work, and that was on a barn, like not like a house house. Like a barn, all I had to do was tiles. That was some of the hardest work I've ever done of carrying, got like 30 pounds on a rickety ladder up to this 20-foot top of the barn in the blazing summer heat. That like my hats off to you roofers who do that for a living because that is that is blue collar honest work and it is so brutal. But I think one of the things is you want to do work and you want to do it for an objective. I don't me personally it might just be me, but I think it's most humans is we aren't satisfied until we accomplish an objective. I know I can't call my day over until I've accomplished something. And this is, which ties back into our Invasive Species podcast, is I think it would be great if we established, like, work groups that if you want, if you're looking for some work to do, you establish a work group, maybe you go out for a day and you cut with a chainsaw or whatever tool you're qualified to use, just help your native ground get rid of invasive species. That's a very simple coming-of-age task. I know down south, it's pretty common for teenagers to work for the Department of Transportation or Department of the Interior or some other group and just cut kudzu vine all day. And it's a job that sucks. It's in the summer. It's in the south. You're already hot no matter what time of year it is. So, But that builds that character we're talking about. And I think what it comes down to is building character. But you need a challenge. You need an enemy. And it's probably better for humanity if your enemy is some kind of plant nature or something that you can see a measurable objective. I mean, you can go out and cut kudzu all day, and then when you see those native species come back in, like, that's your reward. Oh, most definitely. I'm happy you brought up working towards a goal because this might be some people's uh, coming of age, but it at least I know it'll affect people positively. Like, we've all been there when we were a kid or a young adult saving money to buy something, whether it be a toy, a video game, a concert ticket, a car— Saving up penny by penny, doing extra chores, trying to figure, trying to find a job at some store, being a stock boy or packager, or doing whatever you can to save up every little penny to buy something or to do something you really wanted to do. That's, I think, a sort of coming of the age. I think that's kind of important to, like Nick said, have a goal. There's got to be a, a goal for a reason in it. If it's hunting to bring back food for your family, knowing that you can provide for them. that's That's got to be mentally great. Because I, I know doing work for others will always give you such a better satisfaction than doing work for yourselves. But still doing work for yourself of working those extra chores to trying to save up a video game when you're like eight is got to, and you finally get it, I guarantee you that game feels so much better because you worked so hard to get it. And I think that comes through all aspects of life. 
You can be 60 years old and walk a half marathon and you say, hey, I still walked a half marathon. Some people can't even jog it. Some people in their 20s can't even do it. That's every mountain matters, no matter what mountain it is. Just got to make sure you're doing it for the right reasons. So I think, uh, like Mike was saying, that you have to have some kind of goal, some kind of objective in mind. And I think that's there's a challenge, like he was talking about, that needs to be met. And my grandpa, he's traveled to all over this world killing different things and it's more of a challenge than anything else i think he's one of those people whose mind always needs to be challenged after talking to him he likes to learn about the animals it's not he's just going there to kill them he's going there to become part of the environment he reads about them he learns how they reproduce where they live what they eat and i do the same thing when i go fishing for a new species i like to read about him i like to figure out where do they like to live what do they what do they primarily eat what motivates them and you have to become part of the environment to truly understand what your role in that environment is it's very similar to um, hunters in today's society i know people are talking about reintroducing wolves and american hunters have taken over the role of wolves american hunters in today's society control the deer population and elk population and that deer population and elk population controls the vegetation population and everything is a cascading effect. And I think part of a coming of age is understanding your role in that environment. That you know you're killing that deer not only to provide food for your family or food for yourself through the winter, whatever it is. But also you're helping that plant population be able to sustain itself. You're knowing you're not having a surplus of deer that's going to destroy your huckleberry population, which is in turn is going to destroy your insect population, that you're becoming, in a sense, a part of that environment. It's growing your knowledge as you're growing. That's uh, very, very, very important. And to bring back to what we were talking about a little bit earlier, that deviates the path a little bit from being alone and being solo, is the respect you get from your peers. We talked about a little bit the military when... You know the person left and right of you can do what needs to be done because it's that. Or part of your tribe knowing that they went through the same thing. But knowing that you're respected for your peers through your hard work is a fantastic feeling. And I imagine that begins the fire and the kindling of when you're young, getting respect from your parents is very important. Getting respect from your community and tribe is very important. So... The coming of age and rite of passage, I feel like, needs to become stronger so you can not just get respect for yourself, but respect from others. Yes, you shouldn't really care what others think of you, but if it's the people you care about, you should care a little bit what they think about. And I believe the respect you get from your peers from doing the same trial, the same rite of passage, gives a common ground. And give something to talk about, give something of mutual respect, which I believe is extremely important. Yeah, like you talked about, the the respect to your peers, it's something that's pretty common in, in my small community of natural resources and my fraternity is a lot of us went off and did things that is different from our childhood. We were able to come back and you could tell those people who had done something crazy who those guys who had gone in the military those guys who had done fire who had 
done cattle, something that they had faced a challenge that they hadn't faced before. They came back with the confidence that those guys who had gone back to their, you know, done whatever job they did in high school, they just didn't possess. There's a, you could tell by looking at them, they walked a certain way. They had a certain attitude about them that they had seen the shit and they had walked the walk and talked the talk. It was just different. And I think that's something that probably resonated in all those societies we talked about is that once you had completed your objective, whether it be your quinceanera or holding your hand in a glove of bullet ants, that everyone knew you had done that thing that you wanted to do and you're able to continue to accomplish more. To raise your head up high. That's an important thing to have in your life. And like you mentioned, like few sports, that's that was big. That, that was at least big for my life of being either a younger guy or not the best player, but still putting all my effort to make sure that we all win and have the same common goal. It gets respect for your peers, and when someone on your team goes nice shot or great tackle, it's it's a fantastic feeling just knowing someone you respect respects you. Yeah, and like I played roller hockey when I was a kid, and I I sucked at first. But I actually came, ended up becoming a good player, and I think that was because I sucked at first. I mean, you can't have growth without improvement. Improvement is a measure of growth. So if you're really good at first and you continue to be really good, what's the point? But I sucked because I sucked at sports. I was able to improve. I was able to practice. And eventually became a pretty good hockey player, and I was pretty proud of that. And that was one of my... Hockey's a great sport, probably one of my favorite sports, but there has to be some sort of challenge you overcome. I mean, it's crazy if you researching this topic, you came up with surprising little, and people talked about it on YouTube, and you get all sorts of weird answers from everything from there's no male rights of passage to you need to join the military, and you need to be a badass, whatever. But there's an in-between. You can just do things you're not comfortable with. And I think that's what we don't talk about enough is that it's getting out of your comfort zone, providing for your community. It's not about, you don't have to lay down your life. You don't have to do all these things. It, sure, you're going to gain a very different perspective from someone who helps their community by picking invasive weeds and someone who joins the military. But to each their own, there's got to be an in-between somewhere that's going to fit into everyone's life. Right now in our society, we're so specialized. I don't think it makes sense to say everyone needs to do this, everyone needs to do that. Everyone's going to need to do what's right for you, but it should challenge you in some way. Yes, agree. Uh, it's like I, we said in the very beginning of the podcast, there's so much of our ancestry built into rites of passage. I mean, hell, some of the most important literature that that's ever been written is about rite of passage. Homer trying to work and make his way back home, learning about himself. You have the Lord of the Flies of learning how to sort of being a man in this crazy situation. Or Hamlet learning after his father's death on what he needs to be done and being consumed by it. It's just the old ways are gone doesn't mean we can't learn from them. No, I'm so glad you mentioned all those references because like I've been talking about, it's crazy the amount of topics devoted to rites of passage and coming-of-age ceremonies to pre-modern man. But for some reason, no one talks about the effects of not having one in today's modern age, even though 
we talked about it in lit class. I mean, I'm sure you had an English class where you talked about one of the common themes of books is coming of age. I mean, you got your rising action, you got your climax and your falling action. I mean, most of the time that rising action was some sort of coming of age ceremony. So why is it that we talk about it in literature? We talk about it in the past, but we don't talk about it in the present. I feel like our ancestors never thought coming of age would disappear. That even during colonial times or the 1800s, that there will always be the farmer who, when he's a boy, helps his father, but eventually breaks off and has his own land. Or the steel worker in Philadelphia who has his dad working in a coal mine and his son finally gets old enough to work and help provide for the family and help contribute. I feel like our ancestors never even thought that coming of age and rite of passage would ever disappear. And to me, it's not gone and disappeared, but it's definitely faded. Definitely from all the literature that's written about it is, I mean, hell, you could probably one out of three books or one out of four four books was about rite of passage in some shape or form and it just seems to be gone now and like you said nick we don't talk about what happens when we don't have that we've all talked about what happens to that we see the character or the person change but what happens to that one character who never had that does he become resentful does he become fearful does he hate everyone around him does he want to burn the tribe to feel the warmth from the burning village it's it's a scary thought of not having a rite of passage almost. Yeah, I think it's a FOMO. It's a fear of missing out. I think a rite of passage is something everyone should experience. I think being able to accomplish an objective, and I'm a very objective-driven person, I think accomplishing an objective, and then not only just you've accomplished that, so that's good. And usually for me, you just move on to the next one, but... I think it's important if you accomplish a great objective, you realize what did I look back on? What did I accomplish and how has that changed me? You know, there's some, some a coming of age doesn't need to be this big going to the wilderness, but it does need to be a challenge. It does need to be something you don't think you could do. And I think it's important for every person in our modern era to accomplish something they don't think they could do. So say for me, I work out in the woods all the time and I'm, I'm, I could survive out in the woods for a week or so at a time. You know what I can't do? I can't code. I don't know how the fucking computer works. I should challenge myself by trying to figure that out and vice versa. If you live in fucking LA and you can code and program, but you don't know how the fuck nature works, why don't you figure that out? Even better, we trade ideas. You help me. Learn to code, I'll help you survive in the wilderness. I mean, every all these prehist pre like these native ones, pre colonial times, it usually involves some kind of guide, someone leading the way, even if not during the ceremony, but someone who helps you along the way to guide you to the right path. And I think a big part of that that's often overlooked isn't the community aspect, it's the human to human aspect of entrusting your life to someone else. There's a there's a thing there of sharing you know, you you don't know what you don't know. So if you talk to someone who doesn't know, who can guide you in the route of whatever you want to pursue, you're going to be a lot smarter than those other people starting out who have no idea. And I think 
that community, even if it's not your community, it's not the people you grew up with or the people who you regularly hang out with, that community is people who want to do the same thing you do. They may have more knowledge. They'd be considered that elder role. They might help in that coming of age, even if you're 30. I mean, I've heard coming of age ceremonies all the way to your 50. And people are willing to pay good money for it. It's something that's lacking in society, from what I can tell. And people want it. It's something people want. I mean, if you're willing to pay for it, to pay someone to guide you through that, why not find a friend, someone who also wants that same thing, but you guys can help each other, guide each other through unfamiliar biomes to the common goal of learning something new. You don't have to pay anything. As much as anything else, I'm from the Midwest. I'm cheap as fuck. So accomplish your objectives as well as not spend your money on useless shit. I'm sure all these men's groups are good for people, but there's a tons of people who are going to help you out for free and who might provide you even better input, but what do I know? All right, so you just pulled a thread and just unraveled a bunch of shit that I want to say now. One, I'm a little disappointed that you use FOMO. I'm... You millennial, goddamn you. Two, I want to make the asterisk of saying, "Aren't you younger than me?" Yeah, but I'm an old. I'm like a six-year-old in a twenty-five-year-old's body. Let's be honest here. I, I, I like making. I like liking Manhattan's to uh, jazz music and sitting by a fire and reading. I also want to make the asterisk that we are both men. We uh, don't really have the female perspective, which I'd be very curious about, because we're mainly talking a lot about the coming of age through a male's perspective because we we both are male so it's easier to talk about and we kind of understand it more we're not it yeah and and we we may bring a female on later and you know we can't speak on the female perspective we can speak on a, a more general perspective but we're not trying to say we know what or what women can't do because that's not us. I can speak from my experience as a man, and Mike can speak from his experience as a man, and this is what we know. We're not trying to pretend like we know something we don't. And to be honest, we probably know less than we do. So I don't know why you're taking our word for gospel. <laughs> All I know is I know nothing. Good old Socrates. But going back to Nick says, it doesn't. you don't have to pay a lot of money. Like I can imagine a lot of people's rite of passage slash coming of age is doing stand-up. Like having that fear of being in front of a crowd, in front of a bunch of people who are your neighbors, and being the center of attention and doing jokes. That's got to be extremely nervous, nervousing. But after doing it, I imagine the confidence and auxiliary that you feel has got to be amazing. And you don't have to do it with other people. It could be something as like learning how to ride a horse. Something hard, but possible. Something you could interact with another animal almost like almost not taming the horse i mean obviously it's very hard to break a horse in but learning how to do something uncomfortable to give something new to your skill set that you could both use in the future it doesn't have to be directly used like you're probably not going to use riding a horse in your everyday life for the most common people but having the confidence of getting knocked off the horse and getting back on or knowing that you have to brush the horse, knowing how to shoe a horse, knowing that hard work and the tedious and the, de- the details matter will carry on to all aspects of your life. And I think it's very important for everyone to go through a common age. Like Nick said, doesn't matter if you're 12, doesn't matter if you're 50, but 
you should always try to grow and always try to go through some type of rite of passage or coming of age. You should always try to push the boundary of what you think you're capable of doing. Yeah, for sure. And like we said, you know, coming of age doesn't need to be this giant thing. However, if you are looking for rite of passage, Mike, like you said, mentions martial arts in which you can find wherever you're near you. I, my rite of passage was fight and fire, and you can find that. You can apply to any USA Jobs website for a forest uh, technician, forestry technician. Private companies do it all the time. It's a six-month. I mean, it's a small thing, and, and you look at the world in an entirely different way. I highly recommend it if you're just trying to figure out, go through rite of passage, trying to figure out what you want to do with your life. I think it's a great way to uh, to put your time and your effort and your knowledge towards something that's worthwhile. And if you want to even learn a lot about civil culture, you can learn about the world. Fight and fire is it's part of man's DNA. I mean, initially we had bucket brigades and societies improved upon our technology and now we have modern firefighter, real structure fires and well and firefighters. But that's a challenge that it's noble I'm not talking shit on the military at all, but that that was a weird turn. No one, you were never shitting on the military. If you fight fire, you, I'm not. But if you fight fire, no one's ever gonna. There's no black and white about it. Like you don't have people protesting you all the time. You don't have all that shit. It's your job, and you're just. I loved it. I loved fighting fire. I love the physical aspects of it. I love the. It's it's a mental game, really. I mean, you're trying to predict what this fire is going to do in certain conditions. It's like a checkers, you know? Because, you know, it's not chess. Idiots can play this game. I'm an idiot, and I can play this game, and I can predict what it's going to do. But it's such a fun game to play. Man, I if, you're, if you have time and you're not trying to rush into something, highly recommend Fight and Fire. Hit us up on our podcast page on Instagram or Facebook, and we can help you set you up with someone. But it's a great place to uh, start a career if you don't know what you want to do. Because man, it is it is a tough but rewarding career. Or or just being the advocate, become an engineer. We make more money. Yeah, but there's like a lot of school involved in that. Do you know how much school you need to go to become a wildland firefighter? All right, Nick does have a really good point there. I'm not gonna lie engineering school fucking sucks yeah you have to graduate high school that's all you have to do and once you graduate high school you work wildland fire if you're smart you save your money you don't spend it all you can go to college it's you make really good money highly recommend and even more so than that you gain a knowledge of the environment you get a knowledge of people you get a knowledge of yourself that you wouldn't have had before I think it is one of the best places for people to learn not only what they can do, what they can be a part of, but how nature reacts to people. I mean, what what you learn is there's very little things that humans do that's going to affect nature. Nature is its own force. No matter how much we think we can control it, it's going to do whatever it wants. And I think that's part of the reason why a lot of these ceremonies involve nature. Because a lot of them, you go out in nature, you go out and do this in nature, and you learn that you have plans. You're going to catch this fish for dinner, so you don't need to worry about food. But you know what? Nature has other plans. Maybe the moon's not cooperating. The 
the fish don't want to come out, whatever it is, you can't predict nature. And I think that's one of the most important lessons that humans today need to learn, as well as people growing up, is that there's something about being in nature and not being able to predict what's going to happen that's good for your psyche. No matter how big you think you are, a grizzly bear is bigger. But yes, I, I can't agree with you more, Nick. I, to recap everything, do something. Like, it can be simple as volunteer work, like Nick said, just work on the side road removing invasive species or trying to find a career path that's, I guess, noble, like fighting fires. Like, it doesn't have to be a rock science to do it, but it's hard work when you'll challenge and grow yourself. It could be martial arts. I I I'm a, I start off in boxing, so I always recommend boxing. But a lot of people have been doing judo lately and MMA and stuff like that. But challenging yourself so you can be more of value to your community and your tribe, and also have the mental fortitude to persevere through tough, difficult situations. There's there's no dollar sign that can buy that, and. I, Nick, you keep hitting it nail on the head of push yourself, try new things, and try to overcome obstacles. Yeah, whether that be mentally, physically, I mean, there's no reason why you can't be better today, or you can't be better tomorrow than you were today. I mean, that's we're all striving to be better. And one thing I'm going to touch on is that we can start on our goals, you know, whatever we want it to be. Like Mike said, maybe it doesn't affect the community. Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. But if you want to have an effect on the community, start tomorrow. Do you know how many communities are looking for structure firefighters, volunteer firefighters? Because especially in rural communities, there's a lack of people who want to volunteer. I don't understand why one of the greatest things that you can do is protect your community is we're looking for people. We need to start. Everyone needs to start stepping up in those positions. It's the lack of younger folk. I don't know if you've been involved in any firefighting, but there's a very distinct age difference. You have people who are born around our time and people who are born around, they're probably about 40, 50 years old right now. There's a huge age gap that's not being filled. And right now we got to fill it with young people so that we can continue to fill, provide those services for people in our community. It's crazy, but we need to step up and we need to help everyone else in our community. I know a lot of communities around me who are looking for firefighters. And there's nothing crazier than being a person and breathing fresh oxygen from your SCBA and looking around and seeing nothing but fire. It's a crazy experience. You know, I've been scuba diving before, but there's a difference between breathing in underwater and breathing through fire. I think it's something that's going to change you. I think it's something that's going to improve you and something that's going to help your community. I don't see any reason why all these communities around us are looking for firefighters. It's time for everyone to step up and take action in their own community. Helping yourself by helping others. I love the idea. Simple, easy, and it's proven. If you have any other good ideas for uh, community involvement and rites of passage, hit us up on our Instagram or YouTube or Facebook. Thanks for listening to the Backyard Philosophy Podcast. We rarely finish a podcast without missing a point we wanted to bring up, so let us know what we forgot. And if you have a topic you want us to talk about, let us know at Backyard Philosophy on Instagram and Backyard Philosophy Podcast on Facebook.